That's all we did, sang that song before we come to church. That's all we did. I'm glad to see each of you today. And I ask for your prayers. This is going to be kind of an unusual sermon, as you'll see when I get started. So pray for me to keep my thoughts together. Uh, I want to speak on the subject of the death of my little brother. That may sound like a tearjerker, but it won't be a tearjerker. It'll be a sobering sermon. I really appreciate the sermon that I preached last Sunday. I, got, I wasn't here, but I got to hear it uh, on the uh, sermon audio. And he talked about that. Uh, let me give you a little history here. I've been so blessed in my life, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, my daddy was 43 when mom and daddy got married. Mom was 33. And they only had about 19 and a half years together. God gave them five children in seven years. I could not have had a better father and mother. They were so godly. We had a very happy childhood. And I had wonderful siblings. And then later on, I had some wonderful in-laws, just as good as my mom and daddy, just about Patty and Tony Machiavelli, just about my second set of parents. And so then Judy had been the best wife a guy could ever even think about having. And I got good siblings, and I got good church friends. I got a kind of a view the other day thinking about all that. I've turned out halfway good, not near as good as I should have. It reminds me of Abigail uh, Adams. Ab- Abigail Adams was John Adams' wife. So she was the uh, wife of a president of the United States and also the mother of one John Quincy Adams. Oh, John Quincy was real precocious. I think he was an ambassador to some foreign country in his, in his teens. So his mama told him one time, she said, John Quincy, she said, uh, You've had so many advantages. She said, you've had libraries. You've been around important people. Uh, you've got plenty of wealth. She said, if you don't turn out right, you're going to be a blockhead. I kind of feel about myself. I'm maybe a halfway of a blockhead if I don't turn out halfway right. I've had so many blessings. Anyway, though, uh, my brother was born on uh, July the 1st, 1942, and he left this uh, uh, world at 1035 in the morning on July the 25th. And... Uh, I'm not sure if my brother was saved or not. I really don't know for sure. I've got a hope. I'm glad I believe in God's sovereign grace. So I want to share some things with you about my brother. Some things that give me a little hope. So I don't know what's in his heart. I, now, biblically, I can't say he's saved. You say, well, brother, Zach, he may not, he's not saved. You don't know. You got, let me get through here. He may not, may not know much you think you do. Uh, there's some indications in his early life that he loved the Lord a lot. One time... There's an associational meeting, the Primitive Baptist Association meeting at Robin Street Primitive Baptist Church in Jackson, Tennessee. And I didn't get to go there, but I heard about it. My mama-in-law went some other people I knew. J.P. Dale, a real famous preacher from Texas, was there, not just because he was a famous preacher. He was a great man of God. They had an unusual manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Not really exuberant, just a quiet holiness. The people's voices were just hushed. I mean, my mother-in-law said, she talked to people, did you feel what I felt? And people didn't even want to talk. They were just awed. Along the way home, my brother, who was there, a young man, about 14, 15 years old, he said, I don't know how in the world I can go back to school tomorrow after being here, go back in this ungodly world. So there's something in his heart then, I hope, there. Uh, and then, uh, right before he died, and I was with him on his deathbed, by the way, there at his deathbed, and I want to give my wife credit. I think my wife is such a wonderful person. She helps me make good decisions, and really I was intending to go and speak at the Fight of Faith Conference down in Alabama. So I thought, well, I'll go down there. I was going to do it Tuesday night, Monday morning. I said, I'm going to go down there, and I'll come back and see Lewis on the way home, because he was at Nashville, his son's home. And she said, Zach, I don't think you better do that. 
She said, I think you better go see Lewis. He might not be here that long. So I'm glad I listened to her. She drove me to Nashville, and I had come so gracious my son. He had gotten up at 530 in the morning to take some young people to uh, Huntsville, Alabama for that conference. And then he was going to actually, Judy was going to drive me to Nashville and come on back home. And then I was going to, after he had been all that long run, still come down and pick me up at Lewis's house and take me to the conference. But I knew when I got there that wasn't going to happen. So I drove part of the way down there, and then he turned around and went back. So then Monday night, we were able to stay at a neighbor's house next door, a very gracious neighbor that let us spend the night. And I thought, well, maybe, see how it is Tuesday morning, I still may go to that conference. But I knew when I got there, he wouldn't be here very long. His breathing had changed a whole lot. So uh, anyway, I was at the foot of the bed. He died. He, me and his son were, they're not good English, is it? But anyway, we were down to the foot of the bed. And uh, talking, also I looked up, and he was gone. He, he left a, in a real peaceful way. He didn't struggle or anything like that. Uh, then I went out on the porch. This doesn't really mean anything in a way, but I'm going to take it from God. I went out on the porch, beautiful sunlight, and just sit there. And I had those incredible. The most incredible euphoria for about an hour and a half. I don't know what God will take me something or not, but I know one thing. He gave me the peace of God passes all understanding. And you know, the Bible said the truth will make you free. If I were an Armenian, I'd be going crazy because I didn't get my brother saved. My friend, salvation, you look, I'm gonna, I, don't, I don't guess I'll holler this out. I don't want to holler it. I may holler. You don't, don't forget this. You listen to me. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation of the Lord. Jonah had it right. You have nothing to do with salvation. Some people think you do. You don't. You're dead in trespasses and sins until the Holy Ghost regenerates you. Then and only then can you respond to the gospel. Some people say you must have faith. You don't have faith till God gives you faith in regeneration. Even people like R.C. Sproul said this. He said regeneration precedes faith. I think R.C. is partially right, but I think he's partially wrong. You get faith in regeneration. It's simultaneous. Faith is almost a synonym of being born again. I'll show that in the book of Peter later on. So the Holy Ghost had to get you born again, and then and only then can you respond to the gospel. So I'll say this, regeneration does precede the exercise of faith. It does not precede faith. They're simultaneous. So what, here's what I say about my brother. The same thing I said. I'm going to give you some more things to talk about here a little bit. I think God's in this matter here. I hope he is. Uh, but anyway, well, I lost my train of thought already. Let me, let me keep going here. Okay, here, here one. Here, I'm, I'm grabbing a straw. I know I'm grabbing a straw. You probably will too. Have any of you got loved ones? you know whether they're saved or not? See, I did preach last week, and he was right. Whether my brother was saved or not, he's a blessing to me. God blessed me with friendship of a brother, whether he is saved or not. That's a pretty good way to look at it, isn't it? So but you may have unsaved children and friends and have died that way, but thank God for what he did by giving them to you for a while. It's all in God's hands. So you can rest in peace. Isn't that wonderful? That's wonderful. My friend, I'm glad God's a sovereign God. Many people worry about, Sandra used to worry about that before she got to learn the truth. Worry about her kids. Can I get my kids saved? But my friend, she rests now on the fact that salvation is of the Lord. From beginning to end, God's going to save each one of his elect. Now, the way you know you're elect, if you respond to the gospel, you know you're the elect. I'll talk about that a little bit later. 
Anyway, another thing, here's a strong, strong graphing yet. I'm a, I, I witnessed to my brother. I'm going to read to you this in a minute. Over the years. But anyway, this is a strong graphing yet. When I saw him in the hospital, this was before his uh, death experience, a couple of weeks before that, maybe a week before that. And so I was talking to him, witnessing him. And uh, I said, Lewis, I said, everybody knows you loves you. And that's the truth. If y'all knew Lewis, you loved him. I got a lot of friends in this church that just barely knew him. They crazy about him. He's such a nice guy. He, he's the nicest guy I've ever met just about. So, and then, but then he had this sweet, sweet smile. I said, he said, it's a straw. He said, yes, everybody loves Jesus too. So that's a straw, but I'm going to grab a hold of that straw. See, I don't know his heart. God Almighty can give death bread conversions. We don't know what goes in somebody's heart. When I preached Rachel Ewing's funeral, who died of suicide, she is on drugs pretty bad. But she was reaching out to the Lord. She came to church about a month before that in a pitiful condition. So when she did commit suicide, here's what I said. And I meant it. And I'm right about that. When I got to that funeral and looked out there, I said, I leave Rachel in the hands of a just and merciful God. I leave my brother in the hands of a merciful and just God. When you die, I leave your, hands, your, hand, your life in the hands of a merciful and just God. He can do what he wants to do. But now, biblically, I'd be wrong to say, I know my brother's saved. Biblically, I'd be wrong. Because the only way you know you're saved, do you believe in Jesus Christ? I'm asking you today, you young people, do you believe in Jesus Christ from your heart? Do you believe what the Bible said about him? If you're born again, have the gospel preached, you want to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the sure evidence that you're saved. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? My brother even at one time thought he was called to preach. We used to love to go to church together. We used to love to go to church together. And then he began to drift away, almost imperceptibly. You listen to me, people. Many of you think you believe in the Lord. I hope you do. But everybody here has to answer God for himself. You can't piggyback on mama and daddy's faith. Paul said, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For to me, he said, to all you young people, I don't want my kids serving God because of me, even though I wanted to influence them, did influence them. But I might, if, if, if they're serving God because of me, when I die, what's going to happen? Say, they're gone. I want you children and older people have convictions that God gives us. We love Jesus Christ. I'm going to serve him for myself with all my might because I'm convicted to do that. I'd be willing to give my life for the sake of Jesus Christ. We must have those convictions. But here's something that happened to him. So you need to think about this. I told you before, when you go through a crisis, and you will go through crises, you all go through crises of different kinds. You will do that. When you go through a crisis, you're either going to turn to God or go from God. I've seen people do that. I've seen people have a crisis, and even some who are born again temporarily turn from God in a terrible way, made big mistakes. So what you need to do, if you have a crisis, you run to God, and you grab him by the neck, and hug him, and sit in his lap, and let him console you, and get you through the, 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 the trial you're going through. Here's something that happened to my brother. My mother died in 1960, and Lewis adored my mother. I did too. But it threw him for a loop. About the same time, that a girl he wanted to marry very, very badly, very badly, and she rejected him, that also got him. See, those are crises. You may go through, that's real, isn't it, to get rejected by somebody you want to marry. That's a real thing, isn't it? Also, another thing, he went to a school, and almost all of them do a college, 
I'm, Ivy League school here in Memphis, Rhodes College, used to be called Southwestern Memphis, a really kind of a southern Ivy League school, and he started believing in evolution. And that really hurt him bad. My friend, evolution is a damnable heresy. You hear what I said? Evolution is a damnable heresy. God created this world just like he said he did over there in the book of Genesis. He created it in seven days, six days, and rested on the seventh day. That's what the Bible teaches, and I believe it because the Bible teaches it. That's not a blind faith either. It's a, there's all kind of evidence, is, it, is there not? The heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork. People who don't believe, now you can't believe in Jesus Christ by looking at creation, but you've got to pot it, a all-powerful, all-wise God, are you without excuse. Romans 1 says that. It says the invisible things from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood the things that are made in his eternal power and Godhead, so they're without excuse. So we don't have a blind faith. Now, my brother, I'm going to read you some things here. Now, I hope it will help. You think about that. Don't believe in evolution. Believe in the creator God. Because that's what he is. And what's the first thing God wants you to know in the Bible? Well, what is it? In the beginning, God what? Created the heavens and the earth. That's how important that is. Fundamental. Foundational. Not optional. Not to I don't care how many PhDs and school teachers and that run around like a bunch of idiots. They are idiots. They're fools. What they say, the fool has said in his heart, there's no God. Well, my brother began to drift away. And so I didn't, don't remember all the details. I don't remember all the details. I did ask him on his deathbed, but I said, what do you think about Jesus Christ? He said, I love him, not in the way you do. Now, I don't like that. I want him to love him like I do, but still, he said he, didn't, he wouldn't bless So that gives me a little hope. Okay, let me read you some things now, and bear with me. This is important. I'm going to come to you with a lot of Bible today, even though this is a personal experience about the death of my little brother. You know, I had a lot of fun with my little brother. Let me just say this. It's kind of funny. We had a lot of fun together. We slept down in what we call the rumpus room off the rest of the house. And one night, it's dark. It all get out. And I'm asleep, and Lewis wakes me up and says, Zach, Zach, come here. There's a spaceship out here. I would have sworn on a King James Bible I saw a spaceship. <laughs> it was floating out there, these green lights flicking. I mean, you could see it. I was scared to death. It turned out to be a lightning bugs. <laughs> Brother, we had a ball. We had a lot of fun. So I, he was a gift to me, whether he's with the Lord now or not. He's a gift to me. I got a lot of good memories. I've done a lot of crying here, lady. Good crying. And you know what my sisters and me are doing? We're circling the wagons. I call them every day. Our brother's gone. The family circle has been broken. See, when my mama died in 1960, I was only 19 years old. And my youngest sister was only 12 years old. Five years later, my daddy died. I was 24 years old. People thought, well, you have to break up housekeeping. And my, daddy, my daddy had to travel. He had a traveling salesman. You kids can't tell you yourself. We said, malarkey. Malarkey. The price said something worse than that. We're going to stay together. We stuck together too, by God's grace. We stuck together. My sisters, my little sisters learned how to cook. People helped them out, like Patty McEvill and other people. Those girls could cook, I'm telling you what. Feed people Sunday dinner. We hung in there together. My brother had a lot of adventure, so he started traveling. He went to Oregon, Southern Oregon, and also to Southern California, Northern California, a couple of summers to work with the fire department. I mean, the, the fire, forestry service fighting fires. He spent some time in Nigeria with the Peace Corps. Uh, he spent time in Vietnam with Adrian International Development. He had, a, he had a lot of adventure in his life. 
But he's drifting away from the Lord. But here's some things I got some hope. I've got a letter he wrote the family. And I'm going to read this to you a little bit. Not the whole letter at all. A little bit of it. I transcribed some of this last night. Because I've got this letter uh, Xeroxed, or I mean uh, laminated, because it's so precious to me. It gave me a little hope that maybe there's something in there. You know, I don't know how much a child God can hide. We've got to go by evidence, outward evidence. It's right to do that. But still, we don't know what's in somebody's heart. So I'm not, when I come to preach a certain hero, I don't preach anybody in hell. But I tell you what I do, I preach people in heaven. Here's what I want you to do. Live such a way, there's no doubt where you're going. The song we sing, uh, the soul, how, how's that song go? Oh, how did, you can help me with this. The life he lived while here below. It's proof that he didn't rest we know. I enjoy funerals. I'm not macabre. But brother, I enjoy preaching what I call graduation ceremonies of people who are graduating into heaven, who live such a life, I know they're saved. I love to preach those kind of funerals. I love those kinds. You live a life this. I preach your funeral to be that way. I don't go around here doubting. But like the old preacher said, we hope that he's where we expect he ain't. But we don't need that. I, my friend, my mom and daddy, when they died, I had great peace because I knew the life they lived and the profession they professed, they're going to glory. I knew they had graduated to be with God. I knew the very instant that life left their body, it went back to God who gave it. Let me read you this. The Mayflower Hotel, Beirut, Lebanon. Now, Lebanon is a war-torn country. has been for many years. At one time, it's beautiful. Beirut was called the Paris of the Middle East. That's where it was my brother was there. He went there on vacation when he was in the Peace Corps of Nigeria. He went to Egypt and some different places. He wound up in Beirut, Lebanon. and wrote a letter on Christmas Eve night, 1964. He was really awesome, and uh, he was nostalgic that night because we, we used to have a great, my, my mom and dad just loved Christmas Eve. We had a lot of fun celebrating friends and stuff. This is one of our special times, and so he was really nostalgic that night. Here's the letter he wrote us. One line, I believe you all know how to be truly happy in Christ. I like that line. He said that. Then he said this. By the way, my air freight finally came about three months overdue. My Bible and songbook ready it. I almost cried when I saw them like long lost brothers. I got much comfort from them. I actually wept a little when I read the book and sang a few songs. I really miss the old Baptist. Tell them something. <laughs> I'm grabbing the straws. I did pretty good straws though. Tell them I need their prayers. And tell them that God is here too. On the beautiful Mediterranean Sea. He makes the water blue. Here's the pyramids too. I looked at the seven wonders of the world, but I saw the wonder of heaven. I saw him in the jungle, in the clouds beneath the Middle Eastern Airlines jet. You would never believe how big he was, but I guess you would too. I suppose you know better than I. And don't worry about old Lou. God gives him a hand. <laughs> Put him down. So that's a good letter. I'm glad I got that letter. Now, I'm going to tell you, I try to witness to him, and you need to witness to your loved ones too. But not in the wrong way. Not in the wrong way. If you're an Armenian, you're the wrong way. You just got to get them saved. You got to get them, you got to scare the hell out of them. You got to get them saved. You got to paint a dark picture. That won't ever work if somebody's not born again. They might have a so-called confession. It won't be real. This was in December 11th, 2008. 
And his, one of his girlfriends had lost her mother, looks like her mother a lot. She, he was really close to her mother. Her name was Connie. So I, I wrote him a letter. Louis, I'm sorry for the passing of Connie and for the sorrow it's causing you. If I can help you in any way, let me know. I do not know where you are, religiously speaking, right now. I didn't know where he was right then. It had been a pretty long time since we have spoken of such things. I will say that at times like these, my genuine religious convictions stand me in good stead. And they will you too if you've got them. You have some trouble coming, kids. Death in the family, all kinds of stuff happening. You need some religious convictions based on the Bible. I have absolutely no doubt of the afterlife as it is described in the Bible. I don't believe in any of the arrival systems of belief, such as the Eastern religions with reincarnation and so forth. And my brother was flirting with that for a while one time. He lived in Thailand for a short time. My sincere Bible-based convictions, I love that. Bible-based convictions. Not something I'm coming up with. Not subjective. Objective truth. Bible convictions. Thy word is truth. If you're born again, you know it is. Because it's in your heart. God wrote it in there. He called you to be born again. It's in your heart. If you're born again. You believe the Bible, you've got to believe it. It's written in your heart in regeneration. My sincere Bible-based conviction stood me in good stead in the death of mother and daddy and the baby, Judy, uh, baby girl, Judy and I lost in 1991. A lot of y'all stood with us. All y'all stood with us. Thank you for that. I remember how y'all stood with us. I fully expect to be joined with them and with all the redeemed family of God forever. This gives me great comfort and strength in living, for living. Again, I do not know where you are, but it would be greatly, it would greatly gladden me if you could share my convictions. I do not believe that my father, my faith is a blind, unthinking, uncritical faith. It is based on the Bible, made real to me by the Holy Spirit. I'm praying for you, and if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know your brother with love. That's what wrote that in 2008. All right, let's jump up about 10 years now. This is, this is March the 20th, 2018, when he was getting uh, pretty sick by that time, a little bit sick. We could tell he was aging a whole lot. And so let me tell you, before I do, I'm going to take a conversation I had with him. Uh, my sister, Rebecca, told me that, you know, listen, an atheist now. I said, you got to be kidding. I knew he was messed up, but an atheist? I was afraid to talk to him. I didn't want to hurt his feelings. I didn't want to get him to get mad at me. But I, one day I said, listen, I want to talk to you about something. I said, if you want me to shut up, I'll shut up. I said, you really an atheist? He said, yeah, I guess I am. I said, how do you, you get there? I said, I'm not an atheist. I, I love Jesus. How do you get there? He said, and here's what he said. He said, I realized that the stuff you preach were preaching, you could not prove it. I said, we can't prove some of that. But I believe it with all my heart because I got faith. He actually said, I don't have faith. Maybe he doesn't. I hope he had before he was born again. I mean, before he died. I believe the Bible. There's a lot of evidence the Bible is true. It's not a blind faith. But it's still a faith. Faith sees things that are not seen. Have you seen Jesus Christ yet? No, you haven't seen him yet. Yet, believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. 1 Peter 1 8. I'm just as sure as that pulpit there, even sure the resurrection is real. My faith is based on the dead riding out of the grave someday because he was the first fruit of them that slept. 
I'll die on that. You will too. Many martyrs have died on that. That'll make your pillar a, die, a sweet pillow as you're dying. Dying grace, brother, is wonderful. You're being ushered to an everlasting kingdom on abundant entrance. Anyway, 2018. My dear brother Lewis, while doing some reading this morning, you suddenly came to my mind. I was reading something I had written some time ago and felt impressed to send it to you. It is enclosed. I'm not sure what that was. I was say something I had written. I thought he might help him. I love you very much. Really enjoy working with you as we work in the firewood because we both had stoves and we, that's one thing we did together. We'd cut wood and enjoy that. I wish that you were serving the Lord with me. However, I, am, I promise that I am not going to pester you. I will not try to cram what I believe down, about the Lord down your throat. I may send you some, some things from time to time when I feel impressed to do so. You're not obligated to read any of it, but I wish you would. If you ever want to talk about spiritual or any other matters, I am open. I know that we are both getting up in years and cannot expect to live much longer. And then we will face eternity. I know that I am a great sinner. I also have hope in a great Savior. I fully expect to be eternally reunited with our mother and daddy. I believe in the same Lord they believed in. It was a great blessing to me to see how their faith in Jesus Christ sustained them in difficult times, even in the face of death. My mom and dad showed me how to live, and they showed me how to die. I love you very much and look forward to continue working with you, your brother, with regard and affection. Now, one more thing, and then I'm going to go to the Bible for a little bit. I wrote this on June the 12th because I knew he was fixing to die. See, he lived up on Graham, where I was raised, really. And I'm so glad that the Jewish bought that house that's still in the family. I praise the Lord for that. Uh, that's where Bonnie would be living one of these days. Uh, but anyway, he had to leave that house because he was getting bladder cancer and had to go to Nashville to live with his son because he was an invalid. And they took care of him. His daughter-in-law is such a sweet girl. Martha, I just love her. She, when, when I saw his picture of him in the hospital here in Memphis, he looked like a concentration camp victim. He didn't have any meat on his shoulder. He was terrible. And Martha, she fed him, she force-fed him good stuff. He, got, he gained 20 pounds. So I love that girl for doing that. Okay, here we go. Now, I'm not reading the first part of the letter. The part I did, I told him how much I loved him and bragged on him. That's what you always got to do. I wasn't being insincere. I recall memories that we had, things, assets that he had that were good, because he had a lot of good qualities. And then I got down to the serious business. So that's what I'll read to you now. <clears throat> However, I'm very glad, I'm very sad about your spiritual condition. I almost decided to not say anything about this, but I don't believe it would be right for me to keep silent about this, this. I promise not to harass you about this. I will probably never speak to you about it again unless you want to talk about it. First, I want to tell you what I, where I stand. I think you know this, and I doubt it. If, if anything I say along this line will be a surprise to you. I know that I'm a sinner. I have made many mistakes in my life. I have been guilty of committing many sins. I've also been guilty of many sins of omission. As I am now an old man, I regret not having... You don't like me to say that, but I still am an old man. I regret not having done many things that I should have done, and I wish that I had done. That I wish I had done. However, I am not in despair. 
I'm a sinner, folks, but I'm not in despair. Don't you be in despair either. Y'all are a bunch of old sinners. Don't be in despair. I know I love Jesus Christ. That if I love him, it's because he first loved me. I feel like John Newton, the man who wrote Amazing Grace near the end of his life, he said, I am an old man. My memory is fading me. There are two things I do remember. I'm a great sinner and I have a great Savior. Hope we always have enough mind to remember that. I feel the same way. I love Jesus Christ very much, even though I have not been as faithful to him as I should have been. I believe he suffered and died on the cross to pay for all my sins when I die. I expect to enter the heavenly kingdom and to rejoice with Jesus and the entire redeemed family of God for all eternity. I believe that the very instant life leaves my body, it goes to be with the Lord. I further believe that at the resurrection, my body will rise to the grave, will be reunited with my soul, and there will never again be any negatives or sadness. As you well know, our papa and our mother and daddy believe the same things. I very much wish that you believe these things. It is obvious that you are soon going to die. I'm not very far away from that either. In fact, I may go before you do. Our times are in the Lord's hands, and folks, they are. I suppose that you believe in annihilation when life leaves our bodies. I think that if you persist in this, you're going in for a big surprise. When life leaves our bodies, it goes into eternity, either into incredible eternal bliss or to unspeakably horrible eternal punishment. As you well know, I did not come up with these ideas on my own. They are plenty taught in the Bible. I know that I deserve to spend eternity in hell. God is perfect, will not fellowship in sin. The only reason I expect to have eternal fellowship with him is because I believe Jesus Christ died for every one of my sins in his atoning death on the cross. I must admit, I do not understand everything about God. Because see, some things about Lewis that mess him up was, they mess a lot of people up, they don't understand why there's evil in the world, a lot of things like that. I must admit, I do not understand everything about God. Why does evil persist? Why is there in, injustice in the world? I could ask a thousand of questions like these and not be able to give a satisfactory answer. Here is my solution, which has been very satisfactory for me. I do not fully understand God, I try, but I trust him. How many times have I told you all that? I do not fully understand God, but I trust him. His ways and his thoughts are far above my head as heaven is above the earth. How can I presume to sit in judgment over God? Who do I think I am if I do so? I readily adopt and endorse the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 9, 19-21. That will then say unto me, Why doth he yet find fault for who has resisted his will? Nay, but O man, who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing formed Said him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Has not the potter power over the clay, the same lump, to make one vessel unto honor, another to dishonor? I freely acknowledge my role as a creature, and he is a creator. I believe that in heaven he may make many things clear that are not clear now. In the meantime, I'm content to trust him. I do not believe this trust will be betrayed. I'm willing to die with this trust, as were daddy and mama.
I believe just because God had given me the gift of faith. However, this is far from an ignorant, blind faith. There is much evidence of the existence of an incomprehensible, wise, and powerful God. David wrote in Psalm 19:1, "The heavens declare the glory of God; the firmament shows His handiwork." And we learn more and more about this universe, its vastness and complexity. It's obvious there had to be an infinite designer and maker. The same is true of the micro world. In the past 40 years or so, there's been a veritable explosion in the world of microbiology. There's no such thing as Darwin's simple cell. The micro world is revealed by modern microscopes. It's almost indescribably complex. The human genome project with its examination of DNA cries out for an infinite designer. Bottom line is, I feel just like Isaac Watts did. He wrote this. I'm going to read this whole song. Y'all know it. Here's my bottom line on me. Show pity, Lord. Oh, Lord, forgive. Let a repenting rebel live. Are not thy mercies large and free? May not a sinner trust in thee? My crimes are great, but don't surpass the power and glory of his grace. Great God, thy nature hath no bound. So let thy pardoning love be found. Should sudden vengeance seize my breath? I must pronounce thee just in death. If my soul were sent to hell, thy righteous law approves it will. Yet save his trembling sinner, Lord, whose hope still hovering round thy word will light on some sweet promise there, some sure support against despair. Then the great course. Oh, death of mercy. <laughs> can it be that mercy is still reserved for me? Ah, can my God his wrath forbear and me the chief of sinners spare? My very dear little brother, I am not lecturing you. I hope I don't sound like I am. I do not consider myself superior to you. I love you very much and feel compelled to share my heart with you. If I let you die and never communicate these truths to you, these thoughts, I would not be able to live myself. Yes, I'm an old primitive Baptist. I know that no one can believe unless God gives him the ability to do so by giving him the gift of faith. But it's also legitimate for me to call on you to repent and believe. If you come to believe in and love the Lord Jesus Christ, I would be deliriously happy. If you want to approach Jesus Christ, you'll find it surprisingly easy to do so. Listen to this passage of scripture, which you heard preached many times in Mark Memorial Church. It's to be found in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. By the way, I pray for you very, very often. I have been doing that the last few months, constantly praying for my Lord. Please save my brother. I believe in election. I believe in predestination. I also believe I let the Lord know how I feel. I'm a sincere. You ought to pray for your loved ones. They're not saved. God, save them. You can't, you're not going to make him change his mind, but why not let God know how you feel? What do you want for your loved ones more than anything else? Salvation is what I want more than anything else. By the way, I pray for you very, very often each day. I hope to see you soon. Hope things are going well with you. I still appreciate the gift of your car. He gave me that Camry out there. I finally got the smoke smell out of it. Uh, I thank you each time I get in it. Again, I had to write this letter because we both are soon to face eternity, your loving brother. And my brother did not reject that letter. He thanked me for it. He th- and his son thanked me for it. Now, let me talk to the scripture in just a few minutes. Listen, folks. You can't do anything about your salvation. You can do a whole lot about the assurance of your salvation. I'm going to preach a sermon pretty soon, Lord willing, on the assurance of salvation. 
What you need to do is this, over in the book of Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, you need to make your calling election sure. If you do these things, you should never fall. What do you mean make your calling election sure? You don't make it sure to God. It's interesting in the New Testament Greek. Let me tell you about that a little bit. I'll give you a good Greek lesson. It'll help you out a little bit. In the Greek, in English, we have the active voice and the passive voice, right? I throw the ball, that's active, right? Uh, the ball is thrown, that's passive, right? Well, Greek's got a middle voice that combines the two. It's like I'll wash myself. So you're, you're, you're both the, you're, you're, you're active and passive both. So in God's providence, because he told the truth, and make your calling, I like sure it's the middle voice. You're making it sure to yourself and to others. It's already sure to God if you want God to elect. You need to, listen, I want to know if I'm going to heaven to you. I want some comfort on my deathbed. Let me tell you this. If you live a disobedient life, you won't have the assurance of your salvation. You can't lose your salvation if you're truly saved. You can't lose the assurance of your salvation. I don't want that. Peter said over there in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, uh, give all diligence to your calling and election. Sure, if you do these things, you shall never fall. Okay? The assurance, be obedient to God. Walk in fellowship with Him. That's the best thing you could have on the face of this earth is the assurance of your salvation. That's what kept the Apostle Paul going. He was one foot ahead of death for 40 years probably. What kept him going? He was sure he was saved. When he died, he knew where he was going. That's the kind of, that's give people confidence on how to live and face the world we live in. The assurance of your salvation. Now, let's go to 1 John for a minute. I'll be through. I'm just getting the highlights. 1 John is a book of assurance. It's written to assume that those people are children of God, but he wants them to have the assurance of their salvation. There are three or four tests in John. Do you pass these tests? I'm going to preach a sermon on this sometime, pretty soon, Lord willing. Here we go. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? That's, a, that's the acid test. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you're born again. Now, don't me just say, I believe Jesus Christ existed from your heart. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe what the Bible teaches about him. I believe he was born of a virgin. I believe he's the God-man. I believe he became incarnate. I believe he walked this earth for 33 years in total obedience, working miracles and preaching the gospel of Christ. I believe, my friend, he suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane. I believe he was abused by those old Romans and those old Jews. I believe, my friend, he gave up the ghost. And he said, but he, he gave it up. When he, on the way out, it's finished. Tetelestai, it's finished. I finished the work of redemption. I believe they put him in a tomb. I believe on the third day he came out of that tomb. Do you believe that? I hope you do. I believe he came out of that tomb. I believe my, he stayed on this earth for about 40 days, showing by many infallible proofs to his disciples that the same one who had died was now risen again. I believe the first chapter of Acts that they saw him caught up into heaven. I believe, my friend, he's the right hand of God right now, intercession of his saints. And I believe, my friend, he's going to come back again, the second coming, to take us home. I believe, if you believe that, you're a born-again person if you believe in the heart. Belief is the test. It's the test. What's some other test? Love to God and love to his people. You've got to love God and his people. That's the test. Loving God, if you love God, you're going to love his people. We know we pass from the death of the life because we love his children. So, believing in Jesus Christ, loving God, loving his children. What's the other test of obedience in 1 John? Obedience. Obedience. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we walk with him, we love him, and walk in darkness, we lie near the truth. Obedience. Are you trying to obey God? You're not going to do it perfectly, but are you trying to obey God? Are you kids trying to obey your mamas and daddies like God said? Are you? Are you husband trying to love your wife like God said? Are you? Huh? Are you wife trying to be submissive to your husband like God said? Are you? A 
Are we trying, when, you, when we commit sin, do we want to repent as fast as we can? We ought to. Every day ought to be a life of continual repentance. God, I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, thank you, Lord, for giving me that wonderful shower, that spiritual shower. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for listening to me. Pray. I'm not praying for my brother. I'm not a Roman Catholic. Neither is Daniel anymore. I'm not some kind of a Mohammed or something like that. I'm not some praying for the dead. I'm not going to do stuff like that. Are you? I'm not supposed to be praying for the dead folk, am I? I prayed till he drew his right breath. Now it's through. He's in God's hands. I hope I'll see him someday. If I don't, God's a sovereign God. And let me tell you this. This is hard to say this. If my brother's not in heaven, I won't miss him. You won't miss your loved ones either. God's perfect. I don't know how God worked that out. There'll be no sorrow in heaven. If my brother's not one of his children, then my friend, I will not, somehow God will fix it. I won't be worried about that. We must say, God, not my will, but thine be done. God's good, and God never made a mistake, and God's not going to make a mistake. Trust him, friend. Trust him. Love him. Live for him. Live for him. Isn't it a blessing to live for him? Oh, what a blessing to be born again. What a blessing to have spiritual life. What a blessing to have friends like you are. Christian friends that love God. We pray to him together. And help each other out. And pick each other up when they're down. What a blessing, my friends. Let's just say it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Thank you. Well, let's have a, hon- a handshake and get us a song, Roy. Thanks for listening to me. It's the truth, folks. It's the truth. <laughs>